0: Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Minari, and I'm happy to be joined once again by Lisa Koshbakti to talk about this one. Lisa, how's it going?
1: Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me again. Excited to talk about this one today.
0: Yeah, and I'm also joined by my friend Elijah Howard. Elijah, thanks for being here. Of course. Happy as always to be back. Yeah, so Minari is the newest film from A24 and writer-director Lee Isaac Chung. It won both the Grand Jury Prize and the Audience Award at the in the dramatic competition at Sundance in 2020. It tells the story of a Korean-American family that moves from California to a new plot of land that they bought in rural Arkansas. Uh, the patriarch of the family, Jacob, who is played by Stephen Yen, hopes to uh, make his fortune uh, selling Korean produce in... Uh, in this, in the Ozarks, basically, and uh, but as a day job, he and his wife Monica are working at like a chicken hatchery. What they doing? What they call sexing chickens, where you determine the sex of the chickens, but it's uh, kind of a very fast-paced assembly line type of, type of operation. I did not know that was a thing before this movie. Uh, the, the The rest of the family uh, uh, consists of their children, uh, David and Anne. Uh, David is uh, the younger of the two and has a heart murmur, which uh, obviously comes up throughout the movie because this plot of land they've moved to is uh, very remote and an hour from a hospital. They also uh, end up having uh, Monica's mother whose name is Soon-Ja, and she is played by uh, Yoon Yoo-Joon, who is a uh, a legendary Korean actor who I've learned about a little bit over the last few days. Uh, She moves from Korea to live with them as well, and the movie kind of follows their struggle as they try and uh, make it in this part of the country and deal with all the internal strife within the family that comes from that as well as uh, just a lot of the external pressures that come from uh, being a new Korean family in this part of the country. Alyssa, I want to ask you first to talk a little bit about your reaction to this movie because there's the aspect of it where it's, like, you know, just on its own merits. I think this is a pretty well-made movie and a really nice story, uh, but I'm just, like, some, uh, some like, white guy who's, like, all of my grandparents were born in this country, and I don't, I don't know if I can necessarily, like— have anyone in my family that can relate to anything about this kind of story as much as I enjoyed watching it? So, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, where your family's from and uh, how your appreciation of this movie was informed by some of the experiences of your family members who I'd say are not as, uh, are, are, did not come to this country as long ago as mine.
1: Yes, really good question. And as you could tell from my letterbox review, I had a, a pretty emotional response to this <laughs> film. And I feel like A lot of us, when we have that reaction to a film, you kind of tend to view it in a higher light, but it was a mix of the emotional aspect of the film and also how well done the film was, which is why I had it in such a high priority on my 2020 list. But yes, as you mentioned, so... My mom was born and raised in Iran, and she came over here when she was younger and met my dad. And I was lucky enough that uh, my grandparents came to live with us for a few years. But the reaction I had to the film was so similar because I think when I was younger too, I was like, mom, why does grandma and grandpa have to live with us? They're just, they're here at the house all day. They eat all the food. (laughs) I don't get any alone time, like what is going on? And like, I think you don't realize until you're older in life how important that period of your life was because if if my grandparents didn't live with us when I was younger I totally would not have known how to speak Farsi and so that was really important to me so I had such an emotional reaction to the grandma in this film and and Alan Kim is taking over Jacob Tremblay's crown but you know so many so many things about this film but my personal relation to it is just growing up a a mixed kid and, and trying to figure that all out and I remember breaking my, my mom's heart one day, asking her for a PB&J sandwich because the kids at school told me that my kebab and rice smelled bad and it looked like poop. So it was just those fun stories that, that sucked early on, but but make you laugh later on. But for all those reasons combined and my love of the the cast in this film, just, just so many high praises for Minari.
0: Did either of your Iranian grandparents have a crippling gambling addiction?
1: <laughs> Thankfully, no, no addictions on on that end. But um, I, I, my my grandpa would slip me like Werther's Originals candies every now and again to to get me to like him a little bit more. So that's that's the only kind of uh, addiction we had in the house is Werther's
0: Originals. <laughs> Gotcha. Did any of them? Uh, I, know, I was gonna, I was going to ask you about Mountain Water, but we could talk about that a little later. Uh, Elijah, I don't think you have to be a first generation American necessarily to really appreciate this film. So I'm curious because uh, I really haven't seen you talk about this movie at all yet. What was your first uh, reaction to seeing Minari?
2: Yeah, I think it's I think it's valuable to say that that it's you don't have to be first generation American to necessarily appreciate it, because I think in some ways this is one of the most American films that was made this year. And I mean that as a compliment and there's definitely a conversation that we might have later about, you know, how this film has been treated during the award season, but just right off the top, I mean, it's a movie about, it's, it's a movie about identities, but I think spiritually there is a lot of things about this movie that are, uh, very much an ode to a, a type of heartland America. And I think it's. It's a really beautiful film in that regard, especially coming out in 2020 when you know we had a really difficult year for a lot of reasons, and in 2020 when there was, let's say a a lack of films that I think really did a, a good justice to the American spirit. <coughs> Cough. Uh, uh, not going to mention that that uh.
0: Uh, you know, Hillbilly Elegy, you know, um, we're actually this is this is going to be airing right after our Hillbilly Elegy, Elegy episode, actually. But I don't think you're going to be uh, uh, I don't think you're going to be clashing with either of the opinions my Fred or myself voiced when we recorded that episode.
2: <laughs> right. And so I, and, you know, I, I again, I, I don't like comparing films necessarily, especially on this podcast. But I couldn't help but feel like while watching this movie, I was like, my God, this this movie understands America better than, you know, the quote unquote dyed in the wool American films, uh, you know, from this last year. And so to me, you know, both on on a formal level, obviously, it's a beautiful movie. um, But I thought, uh, you know, spiritually, I thought it was a a beautiful movie as well. And um, it was, it was just a, a joy to watch.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the reasons for that might have been, and you mentioned how like you know twenty twenty wasn't a great year for a lot of reasons. Part of it was how our country uh, treated marginalized groups. Uh, obviously, you had uh, a lot of the events of last uh, May and June with respect to a lot of the Black Lives Matters protests going on across the country, but also uh, Asian Americans not treated so well because of how uh, certain people in our country uh, you know referenced those communities in light of the coronavirus uh, originating in China, and so I think between that. And between just kind of this experience I've had, it feels like every movie I've watched recently uh, is like just and more directly, I guess, about the American government uh, tr- treating disadvantaged groups uh, or minorities poorly. Whether it be uh, and and the, a lot of these movies varied in quality, but like uh, between Judas and the Black Messiah or. Uh, I watched the United States versus Billie Holiday yesterday, uh, the Mauritanian. I'm just like, all right, I'm like conditioned to just, you know, see this feels like every other movie I'm watching these days about this someone being treated poorly and uh, just because because of the color of their skin. And so I think an interesting choice that this movie makes that I think kind of contributed to that, um, that overall vibe that Elijah was getting at was just like, you kind of spend the whole entire movie because this is about an Asian family settling in rural Arkansas, like waiting for another shoe to drop and you think that there's going to be someone that's going to be like really racist to one of them, and something really bad's going to happen that stems from something like that, and you keep waiting for that moment to happen, and it doesn't. And, I, and I'm not saying I wanted something like that to happen, though. I think—and I, and I, I want to say I really like the movie, though. I don't know if I was like quite as moved by it as I personally was. Not that you have to have those direct personal ties to it that Lissa felt to be super moved, but I don't know if there was any big conflict that necessarily made me like just— dis- totally have this movie gut me like i maybe was expecting it to but i also kind of respect that it turned away from like what a lot of the predictable plot elements were and something like that could have happened i was like oh yeah maybe i to for this to be like one of my favorite movies of the year there might have needed to be more of like a dramatic moment or crux that really got at me but at the same time i thought it was like really bold of lee isaac chung just to go there and be like, you know what, I'm not going to do what all of you are expecting me to do and have this family have to overcome some like, really racist hillbillies. I'm, and that's not what it's going to be about. I'm going to focus on this family. Listen, I see you nodding. Was that something you thought about as you were watching this? Were you expecting this family to have some sort of like, uh, racist encounter and some kind of trauma in that regard that they were going to have to overcome?
1: Yes. And now that you're pointing that out, I totally didn't even realize that because I think I'm so numb to (laughs) types of movies having some sort of like big racist, you know, outbreak. But I'm I am glad that that didn't happen. But I'm also glad they showed the parts of the film where they went to church and and, you know, had those American experiences, because I think that was really important to to the family and how they treated each other and how they kind of went about uh, their relationships. But it's just nice to focus on the family and the struggles that the family is going through and not have any outside uh, distractions to kind of infiltrate that because then that got you to really understand the arc of the family and how they view each other and, and their relationships with one each other. But uh, I'm glad that didn't happen. And it's I'm glad you commented on what's going on right now too, because it just feels even more relative with, with all the Asian American hate going on, which is unfortunate.
0: Yeah. Elijah, were you like, were you like surprised? Were you like almost like, did you find it unrealistic that everyone was so nice in this movie, or did you think that was like an actual, really smart choice that the filmmaker made? I, I
2: mean, my understanding is that this was at least a semi autobiographical film for Lee Isaac Chung, and so I, I didn't really question it, and you know, maybe that makes me somewhat of a lazy film viewer, but (laughs) I, I took it as. A, a very humanizing thing, right? That this family is not defined by the things that happen to them, um, uh, and that's not to say that that a film that uh, you know that examines that, you know that examines those things is necessarily bad. But um, I was pleasantly surprised, shall I say? You know, as as I was watching it, that it was it reminded me a lot more of you know, a film like, like an Ozu film or something, or, uh, you know, a Coreta film where it's just this really, uh, I'm gonna say microscopic, but a, a very macro lens view of a small group of people and their immediate surroundings. And it wasn't, a, it was about, there were spiritual things about it that, that obviously touched me very deeply, but it was about their personal relationships and it, uh, I I thought that it was, it shows it shows great restraint when you can make a story like that and not uh, have to lean on maximalism to tell your story. And um, yeah, I mean, I appreciated it immensely that it it didn't uh, you know lean into some things that you might expect it to.
0: I think I think another good example of that is the uh, is the Will Patton character. Apparently, he'd worked with Lee Isaac Chung before. I had not seen any of Lee Isaac Chung's previous movies, so I just thought it was kind of cool, like, just watching him do his thing. It felt like it bordered on maybe being over the top here and there, but at the same time, I was, like, really happy that he was going for it in that way, uh, playing this guy who ends up... uh, initially maybe just like you know dropping off some uh, some supplies at their farm but like ends up befriending the family and working with them and trying to just do everything they need to do to the land uh jacob uh, makes the bold choice to like uh not have a device put in that will help get water to the property and dig his own well and uh that ends up being its own storyline down the road but uh just within all that he decides to take on uh will Patton's character as just someone to like to help them, uh, um, his name is Paul. But I, I mean, Will Patton's just a guy that's just like, I just think of him as like just... uh just the the regular like straight white guy in all these movies and by straight i don't even mean my like sexual preference i just mean like he's the straight man he's the white guy that's just there and he's gonna do the general uh, normal white guy thing and i was like oh wow he's really getting to play a character he's really getting to go into this and this is not the kind of guy you expect him to be when you show up on when he shows up on your screen and i just thought that was like a cool revelation this movie i didn't even know he was in it going in i was like oh wow like this is He's doing a thing here, and this isn't like a character I've seen before. And it's like very specific and out there. And it's, it's just, it's, it's, a, I just thought it was a really cool, different choice that you don't expect when you see Will Patton's going to be in a movie.
2: You know, Will Patton, I, I actually, I like him a lot. Um, and he's, he's a guy that's been around for a long time. Ironically, I know about a lot of his, uh, or I know about some of his work because of Falling Skies. Which was a TNT show that ran for like five years, um, and uh, and in in that you know he gets to kind of uh, also examine some some weirdness, um, and so I I was happy when they brought him into this movie, and um, you know in his in his first scene you just get this such a weird exchange between him and. Uh, him and David and it's um, I'm sorry Jacob well Jacob and David and it's one of those moments that the, the movie does so well where it's like kind of tense in a way because you could totally see it becoming something worse but it's it it feels real because it it doesn't end predictably it doesn't it just it seems it as somebody who grew up in Florida it seems like you know a character that I could totally Imagine being a real person.
0: That's
2: such a good point,
0: Elijah. <laughs> so, Listen, did you did you did you have any thoughts on that character? I think you're probably from the uh, a part of Florida that's maybe like even like more rural than either Elijah, right?
1: I was gonna, I was gonna say I feel like we're I, I didn't pinpoint him. I thought his. I thought Will's character was very peculiar, but I think it kind of added added to the tension of the film because you're like, okay, what is gonna happen here? Like, does he want help? Is he gonna be crazy? And then it it actually forms in this really beautiful friendship. And when he actually comes to dinner and and he gets to sit down with all of them, it's really wholesome. So I I loved his character, but I think it definitely added to the tension because I was like, being from Florida, you really never know (laughs) <laughs> what's gonna happen with with certain people so
0: yeah i feel bad i feel bad that like we've now all of a sudden just like dwelled on the white guy for so long before we've talked about some of these incredible asian performances but it was that that, that the, uh, these performances by the asian american or uh, korean actors and i was and, and I, but I, I was just like so surprised by the will Patton thing and that just jumped to mind when we were talking about how this movie really upended your expectations but i mean one thing that i feel like you all kind of knew going in just based on the the two sec- the second two cent- plot synopsis or logline or whatever was like you know it's about a, it's it's about a family that's like chasing an american dream and i elijah already mentioned it is one of the most american movies of the year and i feel like uh the character of jacob is uh someone that's not unfamiliar in in, in film like a, a like a father like a patriarch that's trying to like do well by his family and his pride could possibly be his undoing and uh is in his stubbornness and all that and i and i I'm I'm curious because like I mean I I don't, I don't think it's a shock that Stephen Yen can pull off this role. He's proven himself to be like a really really interesting, capable actor that can do a lot of different kind of things over the last few years. But at the same time, like I said, it, it, the the role is one that we've that we have seen before in, in in various different forms. And I'm curious, Elijah, as someone that I think has probably seen a lot of what Stephen Yen's done over the last few years, uh, how do you think he did in maybe bringing a different spin to this kind of character? Because I actually have some kind of specific thoughts on that, other than the fact that he. Just, I thought he was really great. Yeah, I
2: mean, Stephen yun has been, you know, a rising star. I think for for several years now, thanks to Walking Dead. But you know, I saw him in Sorry to Bother You a few we, years which ago, which we talked about on this podcast. We did, and that's I think where. Well, actually, I, I think he the was first in ocha before that. That was like his first non Walking Dead thing.
0: I saw him in was ocha
2: I saw him originally in in Eye Origins, which is a it's a never heard that. A, a light sci-fi romantic drama from like six or seven years ago. And I've been kind of following him a little bit. And one of the things that I think Stephen Yeun does so well is he, I, this is going to sound mean, but it's not, it's, it's <laughs> not intended to. He, he plays kind of pathetic characters and it's not, and that's not a bad thing. I think there is, there is, there's something to be said about somebody who can play down to a role, if you know what I mean, because he's, he's obviously incredibly talented. And I don't think that's the way he is in real life, but you know, in this movie, a scene that I thought about early on um, was when he, it's like his first or, you know, an early day at the, at the factory where they're doing uh, where him and his wife are doing the, the chicken sexing and the kids are there and he takes a break to, to take care uh, of David and um, they're sitting outside and he kind of relays this parable to, to his son, right? About how like, uh, you know, th- he, his son asks what happens to the male chickens because he says the female chickens go to somewhere. And, and then, uh, you know, Stephen Yeun's character says that the, the, the male chickens get discarded because they're useless. And uh, let's try you and I to not be useless.
0: And, yeah, I do remember that one,
2: yeah. And it just it struck me as such a fantastic line. And I just love his delivery because it's such a, a private and personal moment. And it's and it's sometime it's a time when he's not having to put on a face, this strong face of being like he's in control of the family. Um, and it's just a moment like that. And there were several throughout the film where we get this kind of we get him defeated we get him worn out we get him uh really vulnerable and i think that's what what steven yun brings to that role is he brings something that's not typical for that you know patriarch you know trailblazer role he brings a kind of vulnerability
0: and a kind of patheticness if you will that is not common it's interesting I, you say. I really that. Value that. Well, it's interesting you say that because I mean, I think I mean, I, he's, he's probably again. I, I think he's probably he's probably going to become the first. Uh, is he going to become the first Asian American nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars? If it happens, I think right. And mm-hmm. and, I, and I thought I, I personally thought he should have gotten a Best Supporting Actor nomination at, for Burning, and because he was incredible in that. But that's an example of somewhere where he actually wasn't playing pathetic. He was like he, that character was just an enigma, but he's so suave on the surface, if nothing else. So I mean, I think just those two movies alone just like show his incredible range though I, I agree with everything you said uh Lisa, what struck you about watching steven yen as uh jacob in this movie
1: um i think elijah makes a good point i don't I, I kind of view the same thing it's an art to be that kind of like subtle uh that subtle actor in certain films but i feel like he he brought subtle to like a whole different level for me i've never really followed steven too much to be honest i i Um, I went to, what's the one in Florida? Not Comic-Con, but there's like a smaller one in Florida that I used to go when I was younger. Which
2: city Um, is it in? It's in Orlando uh mega a
1: megacon megacon
2: atronicon there's a couple of cons in Orlando <laughs> I
1: think it's mega like my cousin and I would go when we were younger because like we were Harry Potter fans and like you know we we saw like the Weasley twins one year and and that year that we went Stephen was actually there and I remember my cousin and my uncle freaking out because they're big walking dead fans and so they got a picture with him but I was kind of like waiting in line with them i was like who's steven so i literally met him <laughs> didn't really like care for him and then, um, not because I didn't like care for him, but I just like didn't really know. Like, I didn't watch The Walking Dead, and so fast forward to, um, I think I started paying attention to him after Sorry to Bother You, because he was, he was really fun in that film, and he's actually a voice actor in the Netflix animated series Two Gun Birdie, and he was actually really fun in that. He was like the romantic interest, which was which was fun to hear him play. But I think he did spectacular in this film. I'm actually very jealous because apparently he obviously he's Korean, but. I don't think he spoke fluent Korean before this film, from what I've, from well, what he had, I've read. He, I think he had
0: to brush up on it for Burning. I mean, because he, he moved to America when he was five. And oh. obviously, he lost it a little bit once he moved away from home. But, like, Burning it takes place in South Korea. And he kind of goes back and forth between Korean and English in that movie, but it's mostly in Korean. So right. he at least had to learn it again in 2017 if he hadn't had to, like, be confluent in it in a while but um i i i listened to an interview though with lee isaac chung and one thing that was interesting that i heard was that he was almost afraid to ask him to do the movie uh because he was already like kind of like he'd already met him and they hadn't like agreed that he was going to act but he wanted to help him get right. it made somehow and he was like almost ashamed to ask him to like have to do an a, a, like a, K- a korean accent when talking english because he doesn't have one uh oh, and like yeah. that's something that like obviously actors like that like of a- actors of, uh, of or i guess i don't know non-african-american actors of color that like could pass for being from another country sometimes are like asked to do that to play a new type and he didn't really need to but like i mean it's what the character called for but he felt uncomfortable with it so that was actually probably more harder for him to learn how to speak english for the way he needed to speak english for this movie than it was to speak korean which is an interesting little behind the scenes tidbit i guess
1: exactly and i'm not like a gatekeeper for for any culture or language but i think like it's really difficult to to do that. So I think he he brought a level of that that was really interesting to the film. And having to I feel like having to do a part of your culture that you haven't done before is really difficult. So he just really stood out in this film. And for me, the scene that I really loved is um, I know it wasn't like a happy scene, but when he finally sold his uh, vegetables to the guy at the at the store and him and uh, Han's character were, were fighting outside. Thought so that was really emotional and raw and their chemistry in that scene was so well done because you really could feel like everything was actually breaking. So I, I love both of them, but I, I would be remiss to say that Alan Kim wasn't my favorite part of the film. Hmm. I know he's a breakout star, he's so cute. Like I said, he's coming for Jacob Tremblay's uh, crown and I hope he gets all the all the next films, but he was really, so wonderful, and I know uh, I know Lee mentioned that he tried not to put too much of his childhood into Alan, but I think it's hard not to when you see someone that age and 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 relate to to who you were when you were younger.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, Alan Kim's he's delightful. The one other thing I'll stay on Stephen Young because I was actually going to mention that uh, that that scene also. Uh, we, was that if there's one thing i think i might have personally changed about the movie because the scene that lissa mentions uh, when when he, he thinks that like everything's gonna be good now because he sold some vegetables after he had already just like kind of told his wife at the, the scene before that like hey yeah yeah you, you guys leave me behind this farm means more to me uh she straight up tells him even after he sold those vegetables i've lost my faith in you uh which is i mean like that's the, like the most gutting thing but at that point like uh there's only like 10 minutes left in the movie i feel like because we know it's semi-autobiographical type of thing like and uh lee isaac chung obviously turned out okay and he like i, I just kind of like assumed that things didn't like it was it didn't end up being a worst case scenario for his family so like i i feel like it would have like almost like been in, i would have been in more suspense if like i don't know that it happened a little earlier in the film for, and there was more time for like it to go badly or poorly but all of a sudden it's like all we right right we're, we're at the end now and it's what it's whatever but I, st- I was still pretty gutted in that moment uh where she said that and the thing is like he's obviously in the wrong like the whole movie and i think there's a lot of movies that might have stories like this where i mean you're just like totally out on the guy on, on the on the patriarch and it's like you're clearly like just uh, just you're being too self-centered your ego won't let you get in the way and do what's right for the family all of that though i never totally like just stopped rooting for him uh and i think that's like a another testament to the performance he, he looks exhausted throughout as i think elijah mentioned and i think part of that is because it's such a good performance and that you can tell how hard he is being on himself and he might like argue back if like his wife is telling him like this isn't the way to go you need to stop but he's not really lashing out at uh, anyone else all that much until like i mean she again rightfully like criticizes him but he's not like taking out his frustrations on anyone else he is just like being super hard on himself and you can see the physical toll it's taking on him and I think that's just like a really smart thing that the movie does and that he does so well with this performance that you just kind of buy how intense he is about everything yet he's not necessarily like lashing out at his kids or his family he does make make his make his kids go make, make, he does he does go make David pick a switch basically to, to spank him but uh, is it's, it's, he, he doesn't just start he doesn't just get home from chicken sexing and take out his frustration by beating him you know it's uh, David messes up to to call for it. Not that I'm advocating for corporal punishment. (laughs) Um, uh, I don't know. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: I I think, you know, the, the family dynamics of the movie are to me, you know, where we get into that, you start to get into that root of, you know, this is perhaps a more American film than a lot of other American films, uh, you know, quote unquote from this year. And I think, The aspect of it that really that I liked a lot um, and in a way where I think I saw some of my own family, um, you know, in it was the kind of differences in the ways that people think about, you know, what the what what their family should be and what the kind of like what the American dream is. Right. Because, um, you know, Jacob makes a point throughout the film to kind of imply that he's sort of beyond this, the, the American magical imagination of, uh, you know, in the ideation of this American dream. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's smarter than the water diviner. He goes to church sort of as a perfunctory sort of thing, not really as a, you know, necessarily because he feels a great devotion to it. And, you know, by contrast, uh you know you take soon ja, for example uh the grandmother and she would very much seem to be the kind of person who who would also not really place a lot of faith in uh you know the magic of certain things um but in in some ways she is one of the more Magical characters in the movie, right? She she's so focused on getting on getting these minaris planted, uh, you know, by the creek, and she brings the the, the deer antler and goop powder to <laughs> to heal David with. And I think what to me what I took away from that is just to, that Lee Isaac Chung, at least, I think, feels like there is a spiritual connection. Maybe specifically between Korean culture and American culture, but I think just cultures in general. I think other cultures in American culture, that there is this magic that kind of underlies a lot of our cultural practices. And I think the movie was very clear that sometimes you just need to kind of get swept up into that. And that you'll, you, when you have such a narrow view of what, you're at the American dream what success is supposed to be um, you can lose sight on things and you it's, it felt to me like it was kind of the movie was saying to uh, to Jacob right like you need to just accept that some things are gonna be beyond your control some things are not gonna go as planned and you need to kind of listen listen to the, the flow of things listen to your wife listen to your kids Listen to the random dude helping you outside. Listen, <laughs> listen to the crazy guy who walks around your you know your backyard with a blindfold on trying to find the water. like
0: do you think that the movie is political at all? You hear Reagan's name mentioned once in passing, but i had a thought as I was watching it did Did, did you think at all about it having politics at all
2: i th- i I personally I felt like there was a uh, there was a at least a wink and a nod to it, um you know, in the same way a movie like you know Beyond the Black Rainbow might have a wink and a nod to politics because it's set in a period and it's so inextricably linked to that period in some ways but i I don't really think so. I think the movie kind of shows how far removed they are from a lot of it, right that they're you know they are both physically and politically rural and I think there's there's obviously some commentary to be made, right, about the the middle class and the, the vanishing American dream in the eighties and whatnot. But I don't think the movie necessarily goes out of its way to to talk about that. I just think it's more of a product of it's there yeah you can't ignore it
0: yeah there's that one comment about how oh you know reagan's doing a lot for farmers now you should be able to really get this thing going and my thought was like well you're seeing this guy just work himself to the bone and to the point of like i mean he just you can just again i keep saying it over and over again but like i mean uh I think – I don't know if the makeup team deserves some credit, but like Steven Young just looks exhausted this whole movie. And it's like this guy can like work his ass off and do what everyone's saying someone should do and, you know, pull themselves up by the their bootstraps and like get their own pot of land and work it hard. Uh, you can have the work ethic that this guy does and like it still might not be enough. And that was kind of what I was thinking about where like everyone, you know I, – I feel like sometimes like even – Maybe even people that don't like Reagan might try and like talk about how great the economy was in the 80s. And it's like, eh, well, maybe not for everyone, even people that did work really freaking hard. Uh, so it was, it was at least I thought I had where it's like, you know, uh, the American dream definitely like not super easy to achieve, even if you like have a great work ethic. Uh, and it was something I thought about. That might, that's not necessarily a political observation, but it was kind of something I thought when like I hear the way people talk about how Reagan was on the economy, even if he like had other shortfalls himself. Lisa, did you have any other thoughts on that just with, with respect to that character? just like how, how it kind of uh, struck you in the ways in which he was thinking about trying to help his family you know achieve something greater? Did, how did that did that resonate with you anyway?
1: Yeah, and I didn't think about the political aspect of it, but now that you guys... Well, I, I'm not even saying there it, is
0: one, so don't feel no. bad if you didn't think about it. My mind just wondered, you know?
1: No, I'm not, and I'm not too knowledgeable about the Reagan era. I didn't pay attention to history, unfortunately, but <laughs> um, uh, but I think I think it does make a comment politically in the sense of that, you know, you see, you see Jacob's character literally exhausted working day and night for his family, and I think it makes a comment that you know a lot of people think that immigrant families don't work hard that they just get to come over here and everything is going to be okay but it, i'm i'm kind of glad that uh lee showed that that's not the reality of it you could still work hard and still have all these issues but um kind of going back to steven's character oh i forgot what i was gonna say no Oh, I liked what Elijah said about um about the ending because I actually didn't really process the ending so much cuz I just thought it was so beautiful. I'm so vain. But yeah. <laughs> the ending scene was so beautiful, but now that Elijah's saying it, I really I really resonate with that because you know, I feel like I relate to Stephen's character because I think we all do. We want especially during COVID, we all want to plan and we want to plan and we want to keep pushing to to do what's right, but sometimes you just got to go with the flow and realize you have other people in your life that are important. But yeah, I, I think it's really, from from personal experience, I know that you know my mom and my grandparents had it a little bit harder than me in terms of planning and wanting a better future, and that kind of passes passes down onto you, but you don't have to be a, a first-generation American to realize that, because I think we all want to make our parents proud and, and kind of want to do better for them. But I think this film, like Elijah said, really shows you that, uh, for me, first and foremost, family is really important, and and to cherish that as much as you can. But number two, you can't plan for everything, and and to to go with the flow and not let everything um, be so be so pressing in the moment. And just the last scene really reminded me to to cherish the things that you you put into place earlier on, and 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 find the importance in in family. And I'm I'm rambling at this point, but <laughs> just a lot of fun emotions in this film.
0: You're, the one other thing I was going to mention was that, uh, you know, and you talked some about family there, and Elijah also mentioned some about like it challenging necessarily what the family looks like that is trying to achieve the American dream. And so I was curious to hear you th- think about what your impression was when, uh, yeah, th- this like. Uh, family of a family of four just kind of shows up and then all of a sudden they they drop this grandma character in the middle of it and uh and it's one of the funny through one of the funny through lines to the movie and one of the funnier things is that they spend a lot of time just with David and his grandma and how he is like uh, he's it's just a very funny relationship where it's not one that like the kind that I might have with my grandparents oh I, I was very fortunate but all four of my grandparents were in my life until I was 26 years old Neither of my grandmas like I had a relationship where like we were just constantly giving each other shit, and we, which I I just thought it was like an interesting thing. That, like, and I've read something waiting
1: to bring up the the mountain water thing. Yeah, and
0: I but like, I've I've read some stuff that where it was like some people were saying that like oh maybe the uh, maybe that kind of grandma is a type, and maybe I have seen it a couple times before, but like not so much that like anything like came to mind that I felt like it was you know ripping off or felt too familiar or anything like that. So, uh, what did you think when all of a sudden like that kind of figure is just all of a sudden dropped into the middle of this movie?
1: I think, I think Lee did it on a purpose because she she really drives the film and in in, in in her personality because she she makes for so much humor of it and then you have so much fun with Alan, with David and and Sunja's character that you know uh, spoiler of course but when when Sunja has a stroke it's just it's so devastating because, you know it's such a three sixty from what was happening before but I like their little moments shared together because um, I think everyone you know you might not have that kind of hilarious relationship with your grandma and i didn't necessarily but i think it really adds to the specialness of the film and and the idea of family that you know family isn't just four people it's your extended family your grandma your grandparents but you know my my grandpa is really funny like that too so i just her character reminded me of my grandpa and. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, there were those originals. I would never, I would never make my grandpa or grandpa drink pee, like Alan did. But it made for a funny part of the of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Elijah, what 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 did you think about the the grandma character? Uh, and I'm sorry if I'm messing her name up. I don't know if you're even, if you happen to be familiar with her at all, because I know you you're you're a little bit more of a film encyclopedia than I am. I, I didn't know if you had any impressions of uh, Union Jung going in, and even if you didn't, uh, what did you think about how this movie utilized her? Yeah.
2: So so Union Jung, she's. She's a phenomenal actress, from what I understand, but admittedly, um, I have not seen very much of her work. Um, She's been acting since the the 70s, I want to say, maybe even earlier. But uh, the bulk, I think, of her famous work in uh, Korea is um, from television, Hmm. um, and
0: I just don't watch a lot of Korean TV um you know previously. i I, Elijah, I i sent i sent lissa this uh profile and vulture on her i don't know if you happen to see that but you know she like hit she hit it big in like her early mid to mid 20s like doing korean film but like had some not great experiences and then like ended up like marrying a guy and like moving to america and like they were like very religious for a little bit but then like she, for a while she was like a housewife in tampa and before, like life brought her back wow. to before life brought her back to uh, Korea. So, uh, I, I just thought that'd be funny for you to know, knowing that you're a Tampa native. But like she, she, she lived a life after hitting a big in acting, and then went back to acting. It's like a, it, it's a very interesting story she has.
2: Yeah, it is a fascinating story. I, I had only previously seen her in a, a Korean film called The President's Last Bang, which is a, a black comedy historical fiction film about uh, the assassination. Of uh, Park Chung-hee, I think was his name, who was the president of uh, South Korea um, in the '60s and '70s. Um, he was assassinated, in, but by his own intelligence agency. And she she plays a, a pretty small role in that film, but one that's kind of funny. Um, she also like voices. There's like a narration that she voices, and of course she you know does it in her fantastic, and deadpan kind of um, kind of style. Um, but in, in this movie, I, uh, it was a character I really liked. And in a way that was kind of, that's kind of what my, my grandmother is like you now. I, I didn't have an adversarial relationship with my grandmother because I was a little shithead and I loved that, you know, she was a, you know, that she was kind of crazy. N- not, not, um, not
0: a make your grandma drink pee kind of shithead though.
2: No, no, not, at all, not, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I was, uh, you know, my, my grandmother and I get into a lot of trouble still, um, I went up to New York to visit her uh, back in in 2019, and we just uh, had a great time. But um, that was that 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 is it's very much you know what my grandmother is like. Um, you know, maybe not sitting in men's boxers watching WWE necessarily, but my <laughs> my grandmother you know loves mahjong and you know and and is the kind of uh, grandmother who you know when you ask her you know what she's gonna make for dinner she says I'm gonna make takeout. Um so, so that that's definitely I, I definitely resonated a lot with uh with Sinja's character. um, and I think part of that is why you know i I've I took a lot of interest in David's arc because it's not i I couldn't understand why he behaved the way he did immediately, but that and that's probably. You know, there, there's there's both a cultural aspect to that. You know, she he says, I think at one point she smells like Korea. She smells Korean
0: when he's never been to uh, Korea, <laughs> right? When he's never so been, fun, but he's also but, never met a grandparent before, right? Exactly, oh, one and of his. Yeah, he's probably only that, met them through Americans, right? And
2: that was that was what I, um, you know, I think that's that's what really struck me. Right, is there is such a a different experience? I when I was growing up. I saw my grandparents every year every other year either they were coming down to florida or we were going up to new york to see them um so it was second nature you know by the time i was by the time i was david's character's age i you know i knew everything about my grandparents um and there is something you know you'll you'll understand this josh because there's there's something very Jewish about that right that Bubby's is always in the house you know forever and always um, but at the same time it, there's maybe a privilege to it right because we don't have uh, we, we are rather we have this ease of access um, to our to our elders to our grandparents that other people um, other uh, you know other other immigrant cultures might not have um, immediately and so that was that was something that I definitely had to put myself in the place to kind of understand that. Um, and it was, you know, I don't know that I ever fully, you know, felt it, but I, I get it. And, you know, her, uh, Sunja's arc throughout the film and of course, you know, what happens to her and, uh, you know, then what happens to the family, at, especially at the climax, I think it's, it speaks to something more universal um, than, than just to that. I think it speaks to a way that we all feel at some point when we get older and we realize that you know our grandparents are not necessarily going to be around forever um, and we you know we realize that there's more value to be had in you know kind of enjoying and, and fully experiencing the time that you have with them um, and, and making them part of your life and part of you know your family if you can. Um, And so I I felt that was very um, very beautiful. And it's not it's not a one way street either. And I'm sorry I don't mean to keep going on here, but it's not a one way street. Obviously, that character is a little combative, and uh, you know whether that is intentional or in that climax scene where she literally does not recognize the family, um, but you know she has to put her faith in them, to you know to know that they're that they that they're going to do right by her. So.
0: Yeah, for sure. I so what you touched on as far as like Jewish families, I mean, you kind of pinned it on the head with respect to my family. Like I already said, I not only did I have all my grandparents till I was 26, the first five years of my life, when I lived in Philadelphia, my dad's parents were literally around the corner, like a 90 second walk away. And, uh, I, I, my I, my family lived in Mobile, Alabama for two years after that. But then after that, we were in outside of Pensacola, like, five minutes from my mom's parents. So, like, always around and, like, always had a very specific idea of what a grandparent was. So I thought it was just, like, an interesting spin on that kind of relationship to, like, see what it was like for a kid. Meet one when he'd never, like, known one before when he was at an age where I'd already lived 90 seconds from my grandparents for five years. So I think it's just, like, a, I mean, this movie is, like, obviously it's about, like— it's about a family like becoming uh in some ways more assimilated into the country and uh, they're a, just at the same time they're becoming like more of a unit themselves or or, or or on the verge of not being one and so there's that constant struggle but in certain way uh while it might seem like david and Mo- or jacob and monica are growing apart david and his grandma like coming together is just like a really interesting kind of dynamic that you don't see in movies often and i thought it was really powerful and it's something that uh, as elijah just said it can really resonate with people now at this particular moment in time because i think uh people have seen probably less of their grandparents in the last year than they uh, may have may have ever had in their life assuming they've had grandparents in their life till now uh and i mean it's certainly something i've thought a lot about And that like i the first uh, the, the first real trip i'm going to take outside of the state of florida after is uh, when this is all over is maybe going to philadelphia to see my grandpa i mean you just that's just something you kind of value in ways that like i maybe already did before uh 2020 but i mean even more so now and obviously this movie was made not with the pandemic in mind but it's just one thing that can uh really you know allow this movie to hit a little closer to home Uh, elijah before you wrap up are there any other areas of the movie that we haven't touched on that you wanted to get to um i mean whether it be any other plot aspects or any uh filmmaking flourishes that stood out to you that you wanted to highlight
2: uh yeah, we didn't talk a whole lot about um uh Rees, uh, that's Monica, um her performance. Yeah. Um, I I, and, I yeah, mean she's
0: good. bad job by me. I definitely want to give her, her due. What what did you like about her role? Well, I th- I mean I th- obviously I think she's a, a phenomenal actress
2: and I think it shows in this movie. I think she um she she is, she has to be the kind of the emotional foil in a way to to uh Stephen Yeun to to Jacob's character right because uh, you know, he's somebody who does not always necessarily let his emotions be seen, and she's somebody who you know wears her emotions and her feelings on her sleeve. And so, in some ways, it kind of puts even more of a weight on her, uh, on on Han Ri, uh, you know, on the actress to to, uh, to 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 play that part well. But something that they that the Lee Isaac Chung and Lachlan Milner, the, the cinematographer, um, did with with a lot of uh, scenes with with her was playing them into the camera. Um, and I think they they know, I think Lee Isaac Chung recognized that that was a strength. There's something, uh, you know, just, just absolutely like mesmerizing and striking about Han-Yeri's face. So, um, you know, when there was emotional moments, they would do this thing where it's just a center blocked. It's just her in the middle of the shot staring
0: mm-hmm. right into the camera. Um, and she's obviously staring daggers into uh, into into Jacob. deservedly so again, because uh, but like if you feel like every time you see her looking at him, you can just see a lot of what he's put that family through.
2: right. and And I think there is there's there's more to it, you know, than the than necessarily the narrative aspect. to me, whenever they you know whenever a director plays a, a, a scene into the camera, there's usually a there's usually a reason for it. Um, to me that kind of goes beyond. And and I definitely think there's, there's that aspect, right. That, sh- that she is, that, that it is kind of interrogating you know, Jacob for what he's doing, but also she's looking at the viewers, right. And kind of in a way sort of superimposing imposing that, uh, maybe that judgment onto, onto the viewers. Right. And kind of just like, it's one of those moments that just breaks down the wall between the, the film and the audience and, um, a movie that can do that well without necessarily having to lean on, you know, tired tropes or things like that. Uh, I think that's, it's a very talented film indeed. Um, and so I, I, that was one of my favorite,
0: just random flourishes and things from the film that I really enjoyed. Yeah, that's really good. You're, you're, you're the closest thing we have to a resident cinematographer in our, in our rotating crew of people. So I'm glad you could have at least highlighted something. Cause I mean, I obviously thought he did a very good job of like capturing a, that part of the country i mean not a ton of movies are made in those kind of settings but uh you said it better than i could have at the same and though i think uh, i think we can all agree that like they did a, a pretty damn good job under what i understand were like pretty difficult circumstances like obviously not a high budget movie apparently they made it in summer which uh which is what you try and do i guess when you have movies where you have little kid actors and shot in oklahoma and so everything that goes into doing that in like a very small basically trailer that where so much of this movie takes place uh, I mean good job by them and they made that thing feel about as uncomfortable as it probably really was for them and as it would be for those characters uh Lisa, did you uh, did did you have anything you wanted to add as far as uh performance as Monica or just anything else about the movie you wanted to shout out before we wrapped up
1: yes and um I'm glad Elijah brought him up but the, the director of photography, Lachlan um, Milne, I I'm pronouncing it correctly, he did a phenomenal job of, of the film. I feel like um, he got some amazing shots and his background is super interesting. I actually watched Hunt for the Wilder People um, two or three months ago. Oh, he did that? And he did, he was a DP for that film as well. So I, I really love that film. So it only makes sense that a few months later I would watch Minari and fall in love with the way he shot the film. And he also did Stranger Things.
0: Which is super interesting. Oh, I had no idea. So, I just kind of like assumed everyone here was just like more like indie, similar background to, uh, to right. Isaac Chung. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, so I was really impressed with Lachlan's mastering of the cinematography for the film because it really felt like you were there and kind of transported to Tulsa ourselves. So big shout out to him. Um, another thing I wanted to add is... thing i wanted to add is that um i really fell in love with the score of the film Mm. i'm probably biased because i think i'm pronouncing it hope i'm pronouncing it right emil mosseri is the composer and they also did uh the last black man in san francisco so both films i really loved go ahead josh
0: no, no, no. I, I was just saying, right. I had heard that, but yes, that's a... Yes. So, yeah. And, and I mean, I'm, scores don't always stick with me, but I definitely remember Last Black Man in San Francisco was being pretty great.
1: That one really hit. I think I would say that that score was a little bit more uh, uh, re- able to kind of pinpoint that one in my head, but Minari's score really added to, you know, the, the cinematography of it. So it was a really good blend for me. And then lastly... I know we we were gonna mention you know the controversy surrounding this film and it just we just finished off a a foreign language film win on what was it, Golden Globes I feel like I'm losing yes, my days yes yes yeah. yes, yes. A, yeah. a week
0: ago as of the time we we're Last recording weekend, this yeah. But yeah
1: which is crazy, but you know, it kind of made me tear up when Lee Isaac was saying, you know, I did this for her and his little daughter is on his lap. So it was just as much as it hurts, you know, I'm, I'm past the point of being hurt that this film was only in the foreign film category, because I feel like a lot of the work that we're doing this year is, is setting the, the, the pavement or the way for, for the future. And as much as it was horrible that it was just a foreign film, I feel like i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty stoked to see what changes get made in the next few
0: years coming up because
1: i think it's really important for this controversy to happen and i hope it brings more attention to the film honestly
0: well yeah and i don't know how much more there is to say uh, as far as it as far as that controversy itself because i think we already did a good job of talking about how it really is an american film and i think the, the the hfpa has gotten like sufficiently shamed for like not not necessarily just that but like all of its issues over the last couple of weeks they had to uh put out their own statement a couple of days ago about how they're gonna do things differently going forward uh and all of that so and i think last year the fact that like you know i mean it's it's not as egregious as uh parasite having that same issue last year with its classification not as egregious as minari given like the fact again minari is an american film uh an american production and all of that but the fact that like uh the, the the fact that Parasite still did so well at the Oscars should like uh, at least give us some optimism that whatever the Globes do that's ridiculous in keeping with what they normally do isn't going to hopefully affect it too much in award season going forward. But like I hope it really does. I hope it does well. And just, uh, again, if the Golden Globes are going to be able to keep that time slot and keep that level of importance, I hope Minari does really well. So it just kind of like makes them look even more ridiculous in, in hindsight. Um Exactly. Elijah did I ever tell you my story about when I saw hunt for the water people no I don't think I think, so. you'd, I think you'd appreciate it. I, it's not like a long story but so I it came out when I took the bar exam in Tampa in 2016 okay. uh and you know I think some people actually study after the first... Because, you know, the bar exam is two days, and some people study in their hotel room the night of the first day of it for the, so they can study the material for the second day. Though that could just drive you crazy when you've already been sitting inside the convention center with 3,000 other people taking a test for, like, five hours. So I... And I, I think Humphrey, the water people, was on my radar. I hadn't seen it. I I don't think I'd seen a Taika Waititi movie before at that point. Or, no, no actually, I, I definitely had seen... Um, I, pro- I probably had seen um, What We Do in the Shadows at that point. But... I I ended up going to see it at the Tampa Theater. Um, oh, yeah. So it was like one of my more memorable uh, film-going experiences ever. I love
1: ever. the Tampa Theater.
0: Yeah, I, I saw it with my my, my my friend Rachel, who used to uh, used to produce the old podcast I did. Uh, she we just saw it at the Tampa Theater, my only time ever going there. But I I did I had no expectations for what the Tampa Theater was. Like I just I just I, I pulled up Flixster on my phone. And it's like oh, there's a one screen theater near here, here. Interesting. It's showing the movie I happen to want to see at this moment. I'll go see it instead of actually like trying to fry my brain by cramming more for the bar exam. I just like went watched it but like just kind of had my mind blown by walking into the tampa theater and there was like only like one other person in the whole theater besides the two of us as we watched it and it was like a great movie so i got to see that like as Alyssa said i mean if, if, if i had known going in that like this is done by the same guy that shot that movie and made new zealand look so beautiful not that new zealand needs a lot of help to look beautiful uh from what i know about it but i i i wouldn't have i mean i i would have expected big things from how he made uh real Oklahoma look, even though, again, yeah, they shot in Oklahoma, even though it took place there. But, like, I mean, pretty cool to see, like, Hunt for the Water people on that big screen in the Tampa Theater when and go into the Tampa Theater not knowing what the Tampa Theater is. All right. Elijah, any other final thoughts on the movie before we wrap up? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm, hmm. yeah, I covered right. it. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I guess, I guess the, the final thing I'll, I'll say is that, again, I'm, I think we all really like the movie. I'll say that, like, again, I think maybe my ideal movie just like maybe has a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, dr- dr- I don't know, maybe something that like moves me a little more and is a little more, has some more dramatic moments, but I'm not knocking the movie too much for that at all because so much of what I like about it is that it kind of upends your expectations that like a moment like that is coming. And I really like it for what it is and I think it's really nice. And I'm super glad it exists uh, because it would be really, really disappointing if like a movie like Hillbilly Elegy did get to exist. I know we talked about it earlier. We didn't need to like really. Pay it too much more lip service, but just, you know, just about it's a, they're both movies about like in different rural parts of America, but they focus on very different people. and I'm very glad that this movie gets to exist alongside it because it'd be kind of though. I mean, obviously, Elegy had way more of a budget, but it would be very disappointing if it was like that was the only type of movie we were getting about people that lived in rural America. So, um, very happy about that. Uh, Lisa, before we uh sign off, uh, anything else you want to recommend that you've been watching recently? You've, you've been on the podcast a lot recently so I don't blame me if you don't have any other recommendations but I want to give you guys chances to do that because I'm going to make my own
1: Um, good
0: question what have I been watching
1: um, 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 right award
0: season are you trying to catch up on anything that you really liked or you know anything like that or any other TV I just watched a movie oh my god what did we watch oh my god my brain what did we watch last night
1: Hold on. come back to me. Ask Elijah first.
0: Elijah, do you have anything you want to plug that you personally enjoyed, or just any Turner stuff you want to plug to do your company man thing? Uh, wow. Thanks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Uh, March Madness is coming up, obviously, <laughs> or it's really already. March Madness is here on uh, on TNT, and uh, that's going to be going for the whole month. It's going to keep us pretty busy. Uh, if you're into college basketball, that's the place to watch it. Um, as far as shows go, Snowpiercer season two is wrapping up, but you can catch it on demand and on the app, um, or you can go to TNTDrama.com uh, to catch up on Snowpiercer season one and two there, as well as all of the other TNT shows
0: um, that you uh, you know and love. Gotcha, Alyssa, Did you think of something?
1: Wait, should I be should I be uh, a kiss ass <laughs> and promote Ryan the Last Dragon, even though I haven't seen it? No. <laughs> i haven't seen it no i'm just kidding um so i we watched coming to america last night
0: on amazon and Ooh, it's gotten some divisive reactions so far i i have not I watched it. you yet. would expect you watched it not yet
1: i would say i had a lot of fun watching it i don't think it's like a top 2021 film but i had a lot of fun watching it i don't want to spoil it but you know he got a he got a really great cast going and and for for all the work that they did, I think was a really fun film. So I would check that out. It's a good it's a good it's a good two hours, but it's worth it. Eddie Murphy still got it. There you go.
0: Oh, so what I'll plug is right now the Miami Film Festival is going on. You can get like virtual passes to stuff. They might have programmed a, a few things from Sundance and stuff like that. I I paid a decent chunk of change last night though to watch their opening night film which is called Ludi, and it's about and it's it's funny i happened to watch that last night and we we're talking about a movie right now about an, an immigrant who uh just worked himself to the bone and uh Lutie, like it, it, you know it was it's it set miami shot there and all that about a, a woman who like moved from haiti when she was uh, 10 years old and works as like a certified nursing assistant and is just trying to make it and That was all I knew going in. All I knew going into the movie was that it was like someone that was uh, just like like a nurse trying to make a lot of money for some reason. I didn't know anything else. I thought it was going to be a a little different than what it was, but it kind of surprises you. But it does have a lot to say about just like the the immigrant experience, leaving people back in another country and uh, wanting to like feeling still drawn to them, but also what America has to offer at the same time. And a lot of the challenges that can come with someone that are is just like, you know, stuck in a in a, in a low income type of situation. And I don't know if it's I mean, it's it made it, it literally got made its debut at like the Miami Film Festival, a smaller one just two nights ago. So I have no idea if it's the kind of movie that would take off or not, or if you're just going to have to catch it on demand at some point later this year. But it's something I think is definitely worth like looking out for at some point down the road. But yeah, that's about all I got. Lisa, do you have anything else you want to plug personally? Letterbox, Twitter, anything like that?
1: i'm trying to get back into it but follow i know i said every time so follow me on letterbox at lissa lissa l-i-s-s-a twice
0: elijah how about you i know your letterbox isn't as active as it maybe uh, as you as it, as it has been in past years right now but do you want to plug that or anything else
2: yeah i'm uh, hopefully you know this year <laughs> we get back into it i am on letterbox as at uh mr smith goes to fl the number two fl um elijah howard uh you can find me there uh yeah i think the last thing i reviewed was like wonder woman 84 so that 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 should tell you about how it's been going for me (laughs) but
0: no shame uh, in that it it, it can be a chore to keep up with stuff on there and even though i'm like dutifully try and do it every every movie but uh um, I, I always like getting people to shout sh- shout it out because I want everyone to try and you know review their stuff and interact about it. Uh, as usual, I'm Josh Jurnevoy J O S H J U R N O V O I on Twitter and Letterbox the podcast. Gmail is at the Rewind Movie Pod at, or, the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com, Podcast Twitter at Rewind Movie Pod. Uh, Coming up next, uh, who knows. We'll, what i'm gonna be maybe finally doing that promising young woman podcast i keep talking about and uh and then after that we're trying to you know round out uh award season uh before uh we you know get to talking about i guess what are technically 2021 releases or the first of them if we're counting everything that got released up through february is 2020 still so uh thanks again to elijah and lissa for joining uh thanks to all of you for listening and we'll see you next time